So cryptology is the, uh, in like in the most general sense, is the study of making and breaking codes. So it is, so from a mathematical perspective, it is you know, the, the study of uh, designing and or breaking crypto systems using hard math problems. Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Welcome to Superheroes of Science. Joining us today, we have Nick Egbert, mathematics PhD candidate here at Purdue University. So welcome, Nick. Thank you. So there's a lot of steps and a lot of research you had to get to do to get where you are now. Yes. And you've been doing it in cryptology? Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, what I'm doing right now is like only pseudo related. It's more just number theory. Uh, but uh, you but I guess it's it's also kind of hard to say like where like uh, cryptology, uh, you know, kind of begins and ends uh, because if you, um, I mean, if you think about like what it means to do research in math, most people don't really know what that means at all uh, because, you know, math just already exists, right? Uh, well, I mean, you could say the same thing about, uh, I mean, I think people are pretty okay with people re doing research in chemistry. Well, the chemistry that you learn, you know, freshman year of high school is not all of the chemistry that exists in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, more has been, you know, learned and developed over time. And the, I mean, the same is true for math. Like, uh, the math that mathematicians do is not, you know, algebra two. Uh, that we we have we have uh, you know uh, discovered things uh, since then. And um, <clears throat> uh, what what is really nice about cryptography is it's basic uh, on the on the theoretic side. It is basically just very pure math. Uh, what so like it 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 fills um, the like all of all of what I want out of out of uh, learning about math because I I don't I don't like messy applied things uh, because I mean they're just kind of gross and they don't work very well uh, and it doesn't it doesn't follow exactly the way you, the way you think it should uh, because the world is messy. Now, when you say uh, you say messy applied things, are you talking like uh, like like? when I would teach equilibrium and chemistry and we have these awful, ugly numbers and it would be like, just really nasty. Like, oh, this, this is modeling a real world example of something. Right, right. Yeah, okay. or yeah, or yeah. So a good chemistry example would be like the ideal gas law. Like it's a very nice equation that like is absolutely false in the real world, right? Like you don't, yes. like you never, you never attain that, but it's like, but in like, theoretically it's a very nice thing to have and it's you know very I mean it you know closely models uh, the, the real world and then so like there's all kinds of you know mathematical modeling of things that uh, you know do their best to model the real world but the uh, but once you get into like you know mathematical modeling and applied math you you leave the nice like theoretical things and then things just start getting messy and uh, it's uh, it's no in my opinion, it's no longer nice to do things. Um, but cryptography, I mean, in the strictest sense is still applied math because it's, you know, there are, so it is not just math, 
but it uses math. So by definition, it is, it is applied math. Uh, but the math that it uses is very much, you know, it's, it's kind of like very pure mathematics. Uh, so, uh, and then in particular, like number theory. So uh, it's, there's, yeah, so there's not like, you know, really messy equations. Like you're, like you're often, you're talking about, you know, factoring integers. Um, so you're, so if you factor an integer, your answer is also an integer. So you don't like, there's, there's no messy decimals. Uh, it, it works out very nicely. And so it, but it has a very important real world application. Uh, so for example, this call that we are on right now is encrypted. Uh, so uh, nobody besides uh, us and I think Zoom is end to end encrypted now. So not even the, uh, not even the company that you know, owns Zoom can intercept this and like see what we're talking about today. Oh. So it's that's uh, um, the reason why you can you know deposit uh, you know a, a check with your phone, right? Uh, you would like it would be pretty bad if you could do that and somebody could you know uh, intercept that message and uh, uh, and somehow mess with that. Um, those are things that you would want to keep private. Uh, your logins to um, any website uh, you want to you want to keep private, especially if you engage in the very bad practice of reusing your passwords. And if your Amazon password is the same as your bank password and somebody uh, uh, you know, cracks the Amazon, you know, a list of Amazon passwords and they try that on all of everybody's bank accounts and they get into your bank account, like that's, that would be a very big problem. Um, but uh, uh, so we use, yeah, so we definitely use uh, cryptography to uh, try to avoid some of those things as well. Um, like, uh, I mean, so like two-factor authentication is a, is a big thing as well, so that you um, avoid that, um, just relying on that single password. Uh, so, it, huh. All right, so I, when uh -huh. I think of cryptology, I, I'm thinking of uh -huh. movies, okay? And <laughs> so it's always just some kind of code. Math uh -huh. code. So, and then now you're telling me, oh, no, that's used for, you know, your, your passwords and even encryption and stuff we're doing. I never thought of that stuff being cryptology. So you, yeah. Huh, you're broadening my, my understanding. Of yeah. So yeah. So pretty yeah. Pretty much everything that you do is uh, is encrypted. Uh, everything that you do on a computer is pretty much encrypted uh, to some degree. So um, so for example, um, if you if you have an iPhone uh, and use iMessage, that is that is end to end encrypted. So like you um, so you you type your message in plain text, uh, but then before before it runs through Apple, it is um, um, it is encrypted with some sort of key that you've agreed upon uh, with the person that you're messaging, and then it uh, runs through it runs through Apple's server, uh, but Apple is not able to decrypt it, and they just pass it along to the the other user, and they have the key to decrypt that message. Um, yeah, uh, passwords are also generally or they should be encrypted. Uh, it is a very bad thing if you uh, if you are some sort of server and you um, you know have people uh, have a you know username and password to get into your system and then you store the passwords in, in plain text. 
uh, because if somebody you know breaks into that list, they just see everybody's passwords. Uh, so that would be a very bad thing to do. And uh, I, it's it's very it's very uncommon at this point. But if you use any sort of service where you say you forgot your password and they email you your password, that means they didn't encrypt it because they know your password. Oh. Uh, so. I've recently gone through something like that. Um, I had to get a new phone and I, I don't, ha I had to re-sign in a lot. Of, even my phone had saved all these passwords and I'm like, oh, I don't know my password. I have to re-log in. And I've noticed every single one of them, I click on forgot password and, and it sends me a link to to make a new password. It's not just sending me, where's my username? If I click on it, it sends me what my username is, but it won't mm -hmm. what my password is. So this yeah, is right. Yeah, that's that's precisely why. So what they so what they typically do is um, so they they I think they probably store your yeah, they probably store your username in plain text, but then their password, um, they store uh, what's called a, a hash of your password. So it's it's so it's a special kind of cryptographic tool that is it's um, a one-way function. So they can uh, so so like you give me your password, I apply this function to it, and then uh, it spits out um, a fixed sequence of uh, of numbers that kind of is like a digest of of what what you gave me, and it'll so every time you give me that password, it'll spit out the same result every single time. But if I have that result, I can't reverse engineer it to figure out what your password was. Um, and then if you, you know, mistype by one character uh, and then I run it through that same uh, function, it's gonna spit out a completely different uh, output. So, so even, so every time, so every time that you send me your password uh, and I run that, I get the same output every time. And if you change the, out, if you change the input, that's going to change the output. So, uh, so that's a um, a very important property. Uh, but yeah, so they can so they can always check are you putting in the right password, but they can't figure out what your password is. Oh, I had no idea it worked that way. Yeah, <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better. I know. <laughs> but you, you hear of big data breaches and stuff like that, where your your stuff was. Um, you know, they're like, oh, you have to change passwords because some data breach. Why is that? Right. So that's, um, so sometimes that's just out of precaution. Like if it's just, uh, so if, they, if they're only storing uh, hashed passwords, then uh, the, the, it also depends on what, what hash function they are using. Uh, so there's, um, uh, so if you ever read like any sort of like encryption related news, uh, you may see the word uh, uh, SHA, which uh, in all caps, which is SHA, which is secure hash algorithm. So there's, um, uh, so there's one called, so there's one that's called SHA1, which is broken. Uh, it's very uh, insecure. And so if, if they're using that one, uh, and there's a there's a couple others that they could be using that if they if they're using it, uh, they are reverse engineerable. Like they so they've been cracked, and so if somebody knows the hash like the hash values, they can figure out what the original values were. Um, there are um, uh, there are uh, bigger ones called like so. There's I think the most common one used now is SHA two fifty six, 
and the 256 means that it, the output is 256 bits. So it's a so it's a string of zeros and ones of length 256 is what the output is. Uh, so the number of the number of possible uh, outputs then is you know two to the 256 power, uh, which is uh, a very large number. So two to yes. the 256. Um, so that is on the order of 10 to the 77th power. Okay, and I've uh, heard of like uh, 256 bit encryption and that's what they're talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah, so, so when you're talking about, yeah, so for, the, so for the hash algorithms, they're talking about the length of the output for, um, for encryption, they are talking about the length of the key. Uh, so, the way so the way that typically works is um, so no okay so this says so our so our connection right now is using um, a AES two fifty six um, so that means that it's using the so it's the advanced encryption standard uh, and then uh, two fifty six means that the key length is two hundred fifty six bits uh, so. A, so AES is a form of symmetric cryptography. Um, so that means, so there are two different uh, uh, like major types. Uh, so you have symmetric and asymmetric. And so, so our connection right now is um, using a symmetric key, which means we both have the same key. And we are using, so we are using the same key, to, the same key to encrypt and decrypt the uh, the data. So, uh, so my feed is being encrypted with this key, send it over to you, and then you're decrypting it with the same key. And the way that you accomplish that is, um, a computer just reads everything in terms of ones and zeros, uh, and so the information is encoded in some way to a string of ones and zeros, and then uh, we use this key to um, buy, uh, it's called uh, XOR, so that's exclusive OR. Uh, so if I've got, you know, one, zero, one, one, zero. So say that's, so say that's, so say that's the message and the key is, you know, zero, one, one, zero, zero. So if we, if we were to XOR that, then uh, any time, uh, you basically just add them, but one plus one is going to be zero. What's nice about that is if you if you do it again, so we get back to where we started. Yeah. So we both so if we both know the key, I send a message uh, that's just a string of ones and zeros, and then I use that key by just uh, doing you know this XOR operation, mm -hmm. and then I send and that creates the ciphertext, and then I send that to you. And since you also know the key, you can uh, decrypt it to find the original message um, by doing the, the same operation again. So that's that is so that's you know the basic uh, way that symmetric cryptography works or symmetric key symmetric key cryptography. So we both have the so we both have the same key, and we use it to encrypt and decrypt. But do you know what might be a problem with? Uh, so we both have the same key. You know, what's a potential problem? Well, if anyone got that key, then they would know, decode it. Right. 
So how do we have the same key without anybody knowing it? Right, because so our so the you know whole basis of you know having this you know secure connection that if you know somebody's you know trying to listen in, all they get is the you know nonsensical ciphertext that they can't figure out what it means. Well, if we, in order to establish that you know in order to give in order for me to give you that ciphertext, we had to agree on this key. Well, but in order to agree on a key, our our connection had to be unencrypted. Because otherwise you wouldn't know what the key is. Yeah. So, so that's a that's a problem, right? So that's why we have asymmetric cryptography, uh, asymmetric key encryption. So uh, we need a way to agree on a key where we assume that somebody is listening on the line, uh, and so we need a way. To, we need to figure out a way to to establish this key uh, that nobody can. Uh, so we can both agree on a key without the you know the public listening and figuring out what that key is, and so that's where uh, asymmetric um, comes into play. I think at this point, one of the most common ways that it's done is using um, uh, a variation of the uh, Diffie-Hellman protocol using elliptic curves. Um, so the and then the other the other most common one is using uh, RSA. So, uh, so RSA, it, so that stands for Rivest, Shamir, and Edelman, uh, the, the three uh, researchers that developed it back in uh, 1977 is when they published their paper, I believe. Um, so they, so yeah, and then Diffie, uh, Diffie and Hellman uh, published their paper in 1976. Uh, so, the, so, that, uh, so the Diffie-Hellman paper was the, the first public paper on public key cryptography um, uh, that was uh, that was published. Uh, so it was later discovered, or I guess, I guess revealed in the late 90s that the um, the British intelligence agency, what is it, uh, GCHQ, had developed um, similar algorithms um, in the late 60s, uh, but it was um, it was uh, uh, classified, so uh, you know the the world didn't really know about it. So the people that developed it in uh, in England did not uh, get credit for it because uh, it was uh, only internal at the time. And this is a way uh, of coding information, so other people can't read it. <laughs> so for the Diffie Hellman. Uh, protocol in particular, what we what we do is we'll agree what uh, so we use the the analogy is with uh, paint. So we'll agree on a public color, and then so this is so this is agreed upon in advance, and then so we'll e then we each pick our own private colors. Uh, so I'm going to take equal parts of my color and the public color and mix them together. And I'm going to get a pretty brown color. Uh, and then Sarah's going to get a, a nice red orange color. So then, we, so then we mix. And then we're going to uh, exchange. And uh, so this is done publicly. So anybody, anybody listening can see um, are mixed colors, but the problem with mixing paint is you can't unmix it, right? 
so, so that is a very much a, a one-way thing. So now I have uh, Sarah's paint over here and I'm gonna add um, uh, my color in there. And then uh, Sarah's gonna take mine and add her color. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's and uh, so th and this is how we create our private key. So we both have the same result, right? Uh, but we don't know uh, what each other started with. We only know what the agreed upon public thing was, mm -hmm. and we know what the uh, first stage mixing was. But we can't. Uh, so then the the problem to break this would be to either would either be given the public uh, given the uh, so the problem to break this would be given these, you know, public mixed colors, uh, can you figure out a way to derive the shared secret or can you figure out a way to like go up one step and figure out what the, uh, um, what the individual secret was. Uh, but that's a little next uh, level. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that's that's the analogy using using paint. And this is used in what type of, uh, of encoding? So so this uh, um, so this is used to uh, uh, so this is how like uh, this uh, paint example is uh, is is used in practice is um, so. Like when, so after you've, you've established like how, how this like addition works, what, uh, what you want to do. And so instead of having a shared or instead of having a secret paint color, what you're going to do is you pick a, you pick a secret number of secret integer, we'll say A, and then you, uh, then you compute A times, you know, uh, a point P, um, which is you just add P to itself um, a time. Okay. So using this using this really weird weird addition law, uh, if you um, if you uh, so you pick yeah so you have your secret integer a, and then you uh, yeah so you compute yeah a times that point, and then and then Sarah's going to uh, pick a secret integer um, uh, b, and do the same thing, and then we. Uh, then we share those results, mm -hmm. and then uh, so I'll I'll add I'll add uh, uh, Sarah's shared number um, a times, and then Sarah will, will add um, my shared number b times. Well, uh, well if you add a, if you I mean I mean just think about with numbers like if you add something uh, to itself b times and then a times, or if you add it to itself a times then b times, you're just adding it to itself a times b times, right? So this is, um, so both of those are just, yeah. both of those are the same number. Um, so we have this, we have this similar setup and why, the reason why that's going, uh, it's going to be difficult to undo that in this case is instead of having a pretty picture, you're going to take, you're going to take your elliptic curve and you're going to um, like whenever you do your operations, you're going to do it uh, modulo some prime number. And so what that means is 
you're gonna like every every operation that you do, uh, you're gonna take the result, divide by the prime number, and take the remainder. And the remainder is what you keep. Uh, and and that works out very nicely and it's all very consistent and like it um, uh, so that it uh, nothing nothing gets lost uh, and the same result happens every time. Uh, and and that's what that's what makes it hard. That's what makes it hard to recover. Uh, what the or what the original uh, numbers were because you're you're cutting off some information. So if if we didn't if we didn't divide by some prime number and take the remainder, then it would be reversible because you would just um, like you just need to know, you know, yeah, how many times do you add p to itself to get the the you know this end result? That that would be very easy. But since you cut off some some information, um, it's um, it's much harder to reverse. And so here you're talking about the basic difference between what we were first talking about, that symmetric cryptography. Mm -hmm. This is that asymmetric cryptography. Right, right. Yeah. So, and this is, so this is primarily, but it's, it's very slow uh, in comparison. Uh, so it's primarily used to derive a shared secret. Uh, and then you create a, a, a shared symmetric key using that secret. Um, so, so what typically happens is, um, so, so the fact that our connection is using that symmetric key right now, that means that we either, either we used this, um, um, this algorithm or the, um, RSA algorithm, uh, which is, um, a bit different, uh, or quite a bit different rather. And, uh, we, so we use this asymmetric key, uh, Algorithm to uh, agree on yeah agree on the secret and then uh, there are certain algorithms that are used to like given the secret you know derive a key um, so there are like certain functions like standard like there's like a list of standard functions that um, that are used and uh, so they're this they're secure uh, in the sense of like the um, the input is very random uh, so so even though the uh, like you're using the same standard list as like everyone else in the world, uh, the fact that your input is radically different from you know everyone else's, uh, the output is going to be completely different. So <clears throat> it's it's not something that you can really reverse engineer. And then uh, and then that that is then used to create this symmetric key uh, connection, so that you don't have to go through all of that uh, <clears throat> all of that business every time. Because the uh, what because uh, there there are some uh, potential attacks on on things like this where like if you're if you're using uh, if you're using the this same uh, process every time then uh, over over time like certain like certain things could potentially be leaks that could uh, lead to people trying to attack on this. Uh, but if you only use it once to create this symmetric key, that is just this random sequence of ones and zeros uh, that uh, that nobody knows. Then once so once that uh, so then we just kind of forget about that asymmetric business. Then uh, so that's if that's only used once, the likelihood of that you know being you know uh, attacked and uh, and then used to to break things is is you know much lower versus we're using this 
you know, the same uh, symmetric key over and over. Like, uh, it's, uh, I, mean, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, but like, you know, every, like, you know, every like second of what we're doing is like, so it's like continuously encrypted and decrypted, uh, you know, over the internet. Uh, so, yes. so if you had to do this asymmetric thing, uh, over and over again, uh, that would that would greatly slow things down, and we would probably have a lot more lagging involved. Uh, like even if you're just talking on the order of milliseconds, that's that's enough to make uh, somebody's uh, mouth be a little bit off and uh, uh, very hard to follow. Good, good, wow. Now, I would have. I mean, originally when I thought, okay, for encoding uh, data. I would have thought, oh, well, that's a computer science type thing. And then uh, it's, I had not considered it all being a, it's, it's all math. I, I had not thought of that. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, so there are kind of two, uh, two components to it. So it is, it is very much a, a bridge of uh, computer science and math. So the, um, so yeah, the theoretical design of crypto systems is very much a mathematical sort of endeavor. Um, I mean, there, you do get some uh, CS uh, influence because uh, unlike in pure math, when you just care about a solution and you don't care about efficiency, uh, efficiency is kind of important for cryptography. If it takes a really long time, it's not very usable. Um, so, uh, so your so the algorithms definitely need to be, uh, efficient, but they need to be irreversible. And so the, uh, so, so the, so the main two that we use today are, um, are mathematically not, or they're, I guess I should say they are not known to be mathematically reversible. I guess it is possible that somebody has broken uh, uh, one or both uh, one or both of them, and that knowledge is not public. Uh, but uh, that is unlikely because there are so many people that are publicly trying to break it that the likelihood that you know, because they like that all that that community is you know so far away from having cracked it. And you know, and you know the you know private like probably intelligence communities of various countries that you know one of them has cracked it. Uh, I I would say is you know pretty low, uh, but uh, it has been cracked if quantum computing becomes a thing. Uh, so you probably hear a lot about that, uh, and like at least in like science news, uh, with people talking about quantum computers, and I, I think the uh, gosh, I think maybe Google has the best one right now. Uh, there, so there's a there's a couple in the United States that are um, you know, that have advanced quite a bit in the last few years, and then um, a few other countries have uh, have made improvements. Uh, but they uh, there is an algorithm that works uh, that works on a quantum computer. Uh, that would break all of our asymmetric cryptography that is used today. Really? So yeah, 
that's called uh, Shor's algorithm. So it's a uh, so it can uh, so RSA is based on so the 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 key in RSA is um, is based on a number n that is a prime of two or sorry that is a product of two primes. So the the hardness the math hard problem for the RSA uh, crypto system is the fact that it is hard to factor integers. Uh, so the there are a few algorithm uh, a few algorithms for uh, for factoring integers, and for for small ones, the easiest thing to do is check uh, is two a factor? No. Okay. Is three a factor? No. Okay. Is five a factor? And uh, working your way up that way. Um, that like if you but if your if your integer is you know say a few hundred decimal digits long, there are a lot of prime numbers to check and uh, <laughs> that and uh, that uh, range. Uh, so like uh, so I guess you'd only have to go up to the square root at, at most I guess so. But you, but if you're um, but so say you're you know. Uh, so say your yeah your integer is you know 500 or so digits long, then the square root is still you know 250 or so digits long. So that's still a very big number, and there are a lot of primes uh, um, in general. So the uh, so there's just it's just uh, too big. Uh, so the numbers are too big to check like that. There are smarter algorithms that exist, uh, but they are still um, uh, they are sub-exponential algorithms, uh, is what is what it's called. So they're uh, when you talk about um, complexity of algorithms, there are um, three classes. There are polynomial, and then exponential, and then sitting in between them is sub-exponential. So if it's something takes polynomial time, uh, is generally interpreted as being quick. Um, something that takes exponential time is extremely slow and uh, in the long run is you know basically impossible for a computer to 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 do and then sub exponential i mean is is like literally everything in between so it could be in practice it could be something that's very fast uh, but it could also be something that is uh, extre like extremely impractical or slow um, so the um, the so the best algorithms that um, would break RSA right now or sub-exponential. So they um, so they are so they are relatively hard to do in practice, especially if you just make the key bigger. So that's that's one way to uh, counteract it is if you make the key bigger, well now your your search space is much bigger. And so uh, that increases the the length of time that it takes for the algorithm to work. And so you uh, I mean so you change so you can change uh, um, you know, what was maybe, you know, hours to years uh, or decades um, or even longer uh, uh, just by uh, changing the, the length of the key. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, so it comes down to computing power in the end. Is that what I... Yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but Shor's algorithm uh, is a polynomial time quantum algorithm. So if, if we have... Uh, quantum computers at the level that is required for Shor's algorithm, uh, which there's there's some sort of theoretical like lower bound number of quantum bits that you need 
to be able to implement uh, Shor's algorithm. Uh, we are uh, the most the most conservative estimate is like we are you know at least uh, fifteen to twenty years away from achieving that. Uh, uh, so, but it's still a it's still a problem because uh, the stuff that we uh, encrypt today will still exist thirty years from now. So. If you are, I don't know, maybe a government that has secrets, uh, i.e. every government in the world, uh, you don't want to uh, protect your information using something that could be cracked in you know, 20 years. Uh, so so we, we need uh, a way to, uh, to protect information. Like even, so, like it's, so it's a problem today, even though it's a problem in the future. And so there's actually, uh, uh, so NIST, that's the National Institute for Standards and Technology, uh, is currently running a, so it's, I don't think it's supposed to be called a competition, but it's a competition uh, of uh, post-quantum uh, crypto systems. And so they're currently, uh, like, I think they're currently revising like the third round uh, 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 I don't want to say contestants, but uh, out the third round like algorithms that are still mm -hmm. under consideration. And so they, um, I think, so I think those are like, so they've divided up into like, I think there's like the current finalists and then there's like alternates just in case some of the finalists uh, don't pan out. Um, and then, uh, so by, uh, by 2024, they are looking to have uh, set standards for um, uh, for algorithms for encrypting information that is uh, resistant to uh, a quantum computer. And so in terms of like a, you know, normal everyday application, you will notice nothing at a, mm. in the same way that you have never noticed how your internet traffic is encrypted, you still won't notice it. Uh, <clears throat> most, I think most of these, uh, most of these uh, quantum resistant algorithms are much slower. So you'll probably, uh, you may have uh, some latency, uh, but like it, it should be uh, minimal. I know that uh, a couple of years ago, uh, so Google has a, a browser that is um, for like uh, kind of like beta testing uh, various uh, things of, uh, called Canary. And on, on that browser, they uh, implemented one of these uh, post-quantum uh, algorithms for encrypting your internet traffic. And so it was a, uh, so there's a quite a few users that uh, use this for, you know, testing things. And there was, uh, there was, there was no meaningful latency with the algorithm that they, that they used. So that, that was, uh, that was promising because uh, if you get frustrated with the internet being slow now, if, if whatever they use to encrypt it, you know, 10 years from now makes it slower, that would be even more annoying. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, they're, but they're the ones, I think the ones that are faster, if I remember correctly, uh, have more potential for being, or uh, have more potential for being uh, cracked a little bit easier. Uh, and the ones that are a little bit more robust against cracking are much slower. So if you, you got to kind of find, uh, you know, the, the right balance there. Uh, but they also, um, 
Uh, some of them also require you know much larger keys than even what we use today and then some of them require much smaller keys uh, so there's uh, so you gotta yeah you, you have to balance you know security with memory and speed and uh, figure out what's the, the best uh, approach there and that's very much a computer science problem so to be uh, a cryptologist today yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. much different than it was 100 years ago. Um, and tomorrow sounds like it's going to be even different than today. So it, do you pretty much have to have strengths in both mathematics as well as uh, some sort of coding? Or can you just do the mathematical side and have a counterpart do the coding part? Yeah, so there's, um, yeah, so there are, um, yeah, so there are, I would say yeah, two to three or so avenues. Um, so you could you could very much just be you know a mathematician at a university in a math department that does research and you know the kind of the number theoretic side of cryptography, and you come up with these um, uh, systems that may or may not be implementable. Uh, so there are quite a few there are quite a few crypto systems that exist on paper that you could, you could, you could never use in practice. Um, but uh, there, and then it's, so it would be, yeah, it would be the job of a computer scientist to, uh, or, or a mathematician that uh, is much closer to computer science to figure out like how exactly you would, uh, you would implement it. And so, uh, so like for for example, for this like NIST competition, they, uh, I mean, you have uh, teams of at least half a dozen uh, people on any given algorithm, and so you've got. Uh, uh, so some of them are just you know the more um, uh, mathy people, but and I think they also have CS people involved, because uh, there's a so there's another uh, there's so there's another area um, in cryptography. Um, called uh, cryptanalysis. Uh, so that would be the study of um, trying to break crypto systems, uh, which is uh, which is an um, which is an important uh, field of uh, research because uh, if if as the person implementing uh, these crypto systems you don't research it, well the people that are trying to steal your information would be researching it. So you need to make sure that your the systems that you design are um, are secure. So uh, there are so there are two possible avenues that you can uh, attack a crypto system. You can attack the mathematical problem that is underlying the, the crypto system. So for um, for RSA, you're trying to crack the problem of factoring integers. Um, for uh, for Diffie-Hellman example, you're trying to crack uh, what is called this discrete log problem. Uh, so, uh, if you think about, uh, the, so, oh, so if, if you have a number, you know, a to the B is equal to C, right. Then that means that, uh, log base a of C is equal to B. So if we're trying to find, we're trying to find B, if we, if we, uh, can compute the logarithm of, of C, but in this world of, uh, modular arithmetic, so dividing by a prime and taking the uh, taking the remainder. Uh, since you lose some of that information, uh, 
you can't just take a logarithm and figure out what the exponent was because of the information that was lost. And so that's why it's called a discrete logarithm because we're, um, we're, only, using, we're only using the numbers between zero and you know, this prime number minus one. Uh, so, uh, so that's where the discrete part comes in. And uh, so that, that is the underlying hard math problem for um, this um, elliptic curve Diffie-Hellman protocol. And so you could try to attack, you know, um, those mathematical problems, and that would that would break the crypto systems. But a crypto system is also a real world thing that is implemented on a computer. So you could try to uh, attack the actual like physical implementation. So in the uh, so um, an, an example using uh, RSA would be. So the, the basic, uh, so the basic way that RSA is going to work is you take, um, uh, so you're going to take your message and raise it to some exponent, and then you're going to, and then you're going to uh, divide by some number n and take the remainder. Uh, so this modular exponentiation is is the uh, mathematical computation that is that is done. Uh, so the the standard algorithm for for doing this is called uh, um, square and multiply. So if you so you take your you take your exponent uh, and you you uh, you represent it in uh, in binary, so as a string of ones and zeros. And so uh, each of these are either a one or a zero. And then, so you're just you're just uh, expressing this exponent as um, as a sum of powers of two. Um, so you can so you can do this for you know for any number just in, in the same way that we so our ba our base ten number system. We so if I write you know if I write the number you know one thirty seven right that means you know one times uh, ten to the second power plus three times. 10 to the first power plus seven. Uh, so you can, uh, writing it in terms of powers of two is like, you're just changing the, the base of, of, the, of the number system, but like all of the numbers are still equally representable. Uh, so based on whether, um, so it has to do with whether each of these A's is either a one or a zero. This, this, uh, like, this tells you whether you want to uh, take your take your number and then square it, or take your number and then multiply it by m, uh, just to make it efficient. So instead of uh, instead of just multiplying it by you know instead of doing m times m, uh, you know e times, you can you can speed it up by uh, whether um, like whether like yeah these odd or even powers of two are in the in this expansion or not, but. So the so the physical attack that uh, if you were to implement this poorly that could happen is to multiply an integer by an integer takes a different level of computational power than squaring an integer. So if you have some sort of way to listen to the to the computer and like uh, maybe you can like read how much like uh, power is being used or something that'd be a good measure of of like you know of like what's what the computation is taking if you can so if you can read off uh 
you know, like these peaks of like, oh, more power was used here and then less power was used at each of these stages, then you could reverse engineer, oh, this was a square, this was a multiply, square, square, multiply. And then you could recreate the exponent just by listening to what the computer was doing. Oh, wow. Uh, so, but the way to, uh, so a way to combat that would just be always, always square and always multiply at every stage, but only keep which one you need. And then so you use the same level of power every single time, uh, right. but you're only, but because uh, it doesn't take any power to save. Uh, so, uh, so then you're, so then you, so what used to be like a kind of an up and down kind of uh, power reading is now kind of a more of a straight line and it's uh, much less readable. So that, uh, so that's called a um, side channel analysis. So that's where you're, you are, yeah. So you're listening in in some way to the implementation of the cryptography and trying to break it in a physical way. Um, so that's another thing that has to be uh, kept in mind when when designing these things. And so that's um, um, that's that may or may not be a math problem uh, mm -hmm. uh, because so in the, and so the solution to what I just mentioned is I guess is more of kind of kind of computer science solution. Okay, just do the same thing every time. Um, but if if there is um, but I, I think there are definitely some sort of some side channel attacks that you could come up with where the solution to it may be to mathematically change what, like, like the, the whole process uh, to, to avoid that. Um, uh, and, other, and other solutions would be more like this one where like you just change the physical implementation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view and share the love. Hammer down.